Well, Merry Christmas. Ah, uh, yeah. It's awesome, awesome to celebrate with the new life in Christ this morning through baptism. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome time of celebration for that. So thank you for letting us be a part of it. And uh, how many, how many of you have been up uh, more than six hours? That would put you at five a.m. Up more than six hours. That's, that's out of control right there. <laughs> wow. How about five hours? Wow. I'm, I'm glad my kids slept longer than that. <laughs> my goodness. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. This morning, what I want to do is I want to look at what I think is probably the most intriguing part of the story as we close out this Christmas season in 2016 and start to push towards 2017. Uh, it, it might be my favorite part of the story, but if, if there is such a part, you know, it kind of all runs together. But it's definitely, for me, the most intriguing part of the Christmas story. <clears throat> so if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to start at the beginning of that chapter. In Matthew chapter 2, uh, starting at the beginning of the chapter. Now, most scholars believe that this story actually didn't take place that first Christmas morning. It actually took place about 18 months to two years after Jesus was born. So I, I'm sorry to ruin your nativity scenes. Uh, I remember when, when we were already married and Mary Jo found that, this out and it like devastated her. I mean, she, was, she, she still hasn't gotten over it, all right? Um, that the wise men did not make it to, to the stable. But most, most scholars believe that this took place roughly 18 months to two years after Jesus was born. But we're going to lump it into the Christmas story because that's kind of in our culture, how we celebrate. And for me, it is the most intriguing part of the entire story. So if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 2, we're going to pray and then we're going to jump right in. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word this morning and celebrate your birth. I pray that you would speak to us, we would leave here changed as a result. Lord, that's our prayer each and every week, that, that you would meet with us and you would change us. You see this in the scriptures over and over. Everyone who comes in contact with you is changed forever, and that's our prayer. So Father, we know you're here, your, your word tells us, but you're welcome here to do a work in and through us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Here's what the text says. Now, after these, after now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Stop right there. Just really quick. The wise men were not actual kings. We thought we called them, you know, we three kings of Orinar or talks about that in our songs, but these are not actual kings. Now, these were learned men. These would have been the intellectuals of the day. They would have been the uh, professors at, at our Ivy League schools. So these were, these were some of the smartest men in the known world. They were well-educated. They had done their due diligence as far as education goes, and that's why they had this title. Continuing in verse 2, it says this. They came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So what do we know about these guys? It's going to take a while. Are you ready? Nothing. 
We know that they came from the east. We don't even know what the east is. I mean, we know the direction, but we don't know where they came from. They could have come from Babylon. They could have been Arabs. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says that they came from the east. So, let me postulate. Let me take a guess. And if you disagree, your guess is as good as mine. But here, let me, let me just give you a guess. There's a good chance that these men are from Babylon. That's what... I just kind of, as I was studying, kind of regularly came back to this. There's a good chance they may have come from Babylon, and, and that could make sense, right? Because we know in the Old Testament, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were actually taken to Babylon, and they, they served the king there. And we know, based on the Old Testament, that they, taught, that they brought the scriptures with them. And undoubtedly, they would have left the prophecies, they would have left the Old Testament scriptures behind after they passed away. And they would have, they would have stayed there in that culture, and it would have made its way through the generations. This is, this is something they would have probably still had access to. And so, there's a good chance they may have been a descendant, uh, not, not obviously not genealogy-wise or, or anything like that, but spiritually they could have, they could have uh, had the, the, these, this text, these scripts that were left behind by Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just a guess. We don't know for sure. But I do have a question. It's a trick question. What led the wise men to look and to find eventually Jesus? It wasn't the star. It was the scriptures. That we know for sure. The scriptures pointed to the star, and the star pointed to the Savior. The scriptures are what led the wise men to Jesus. Story continues. I've got to hustle, because the kids are doing awesome. Let's keep going. <laughs> Verse 3. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. I just want to point out, we talk about three wise men. Probably not three wise men. This was probably a whole... A host of people. Because the Bible tells us that Jerusalem, which was not a small city, it was actually a very large city in that time, was all, all of it was troubled by their arrival. Everybody in the city, or, you know, generically speaking, maybe a, a little bit, you could probably prove that it wasn't every single person, but the Bible tells us that all the city was troubled by their arrival. So there's a good chance that there was a, a whole host of people that came with these wise men. This was, a, this was a group uh, of people that came from the east. Verse 4. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it was written by the prophet, Micah 5, 2, if you're interested and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come to worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen, when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. 
And when, the, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I love that. The writer Matthew could have easily just said they, they were joyful, but he didn't say that. They were exceedingly joyful with great joy is exactly how it's put. <laughs> they, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the, to the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The greatest quest of their lives had just concluded. I just want to look at three truths that we see in, in this story. Three truths. Number one is this. The gospel is for the nations. The gospel is for the nations. The, in, in the New Testament, if you're new to Bible study, there's four gospels. And each writer has a, a different intended original or, uh, uh, audience. A different intended original audience. Matthew, the one that we just read, the gospel that we just read, was written to a Jewish audience to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. His, his whole purpose was to prove that Jesus was who he claimed to be. That he was the Savior that they had been waiting for. And yet, even though that was his intended audience, the first people that he points to in visiting the Savior are people from the East. They're not a Jewish people. And not only that, he ends his uh, gospel by talking about going to the nations. So he bookends his gospel to a Jewish audience that this gospel, this Savior is not just for them, but he is for the nations. Every corner of the globe is being invited to come and to worship him. We talk about this week after week. This gospel is not an American gospel. It's not a Jewish gospel. It's not an English-speaking gospel. It is. It's for the nations, every, uh, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And Matthew, the writer of this gospel, with an intended audience of Jews, makes this point clear at the very beginning. This Savior is for everybody. Number one, this gospel is for the nations. Number two... This might be the saddest part of the entire Christmas story. You can know the Bible and miss Jesus. You can know the Bible and miss Jesus. We've talked about this before, especially in our at the time that we live. But um, it's, it's obvious to us that you can know about somebody and even know a lot about them, but not actually know them, right? I mean, we have Facebook. You remember... Uh, one time I started a sermon about a year ago by um, sharing all of these facts about a person. And then after I, I told you where they traveled, I told you who their kids were, I told you who their, their uh, kids' uh, spouses were, I told you their, their um, uh, very recent trip to the Middle East uh, on a mission trip. I told you all about these, this, this, uh, these facts about a person. And then at the very end I said, but here's the thing, I never, I've never met this lady before. And I confess that I had looked on Facebook about 10 minutes and found out all of this information. We live at a time that you can know about somebody, but you don't actually know them. 
And the same is true with Jesus. You can know all about him, but miss him. Look at verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled after the wise men had arrived and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall come uh, for from you shall come a ruler, and you will shepherd my people. Now, you would expect, after uh, Herod, just kind of to make clear what's going on, the wise men have arrived, they've asked where the king of the Jews has been born, and Herod calls in all the religious leaders, all the scribes, all the Pharisees, and says, hey, these guys have just made a long journey from the east, and they're looking for this guy who's going to be born king of the Jews. Where would they find him? And the scribes say, oh, that's an easy one. He's born in Bethlehem. Now you expect the next verse to be that the scribes and the Pharisees went back to their house, packed a bag, got their kids and their wife, and then headed down to look for the Savior. But that is not what happened. In fact, the Bible gives us no indication that anything changed about their lives. These are the men who knew the Old Testament better than anybody in the entire world. Anybody. They would put us to shame with their knowledge of the scriptures. And they're told that these men had made a long journey. This, this whole group of people had made a long journey to look for this Savior. They're asked about him. These scribes, these leaders are asked about him. And they say, yeah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And after they give that information, they go back to their regular life. They knew all about Jesus and they missed him. The same can be true for us. We know all about it. And we miss him. May this Christmas that not be the case for those of us in this room. The story tells us, number one, that this gospel is for the nations. Number two, that you can know Jesus, know about Jesus, excuse me, and still miss Jesus. <clears throat> Lastly, number three, the wise men show us what faith looks like. Shows us what faith looks like. The only way they come to Jesus is by faith alone. Put yourself in this story. You're a, a well-educated person. You, you've done your, your diligence in the classroom. You've worked hard. And then uh, you, you've studied these prophecies, these scriptures. And all of a sudden, one day, you, you start have a co having a conversation with a, a, a friend. And you go, did you see that star last night? These are, are astrologers, probably. That was kind of what the educated people did at the time. Did you see that star last night? I think that's the one that those, that those, Israel, uh, those Jewish uh, prophecies have been talking about. I think that could be the one. And then it begins to spread a little bit. And a group of, of men gather their families, gather their assistants, put them on a camel and, or a donkey, and begin to make the trek out west. And this was no ordinary trip. This was a very dangerous trip, a very costly trip, a trip that would undoubtedly change their life. And because of their understanding of the scriptures and how it connected to the stars, they by faith begin to make the trip to look for this Savior. 
And they arrive in Jerusalem and they ask, where the, we, we just made a long journey. We're looking for the Savior. Where might he be found? They send him down to Bethlehem. And they get down to Bethlehem and they, they begin to look around and find where this toddler is living. Now, I don't know this for sure, but the scriptures tell us that, that there was nothing special about Jesus when you looked at him. So when they, they open the door to Jesus, to Mary and Joseph's house, and they see this toddler, chances are he didn't look any different than any of the other toddlers that you and I have come in contact with on the outside. And, and here's what I, this is where faith really begins to take root, and we really begin to see it. Because I have at least lived with two two-year-olds, <laughs> and they've made me want to do a lot of things, but worship them is not one of them. <laughs> And these wise men walk in and they see this Jesus. And by faith, by faith, they worship him. The wise men show us what faith really looks like. This Christmas season, I hope you'll remember, number one, the gospel, Christmas, is for the nations. Number two, you can know about Jesus and miss him entirely. And number three, if you want to see what faith looks like, look at the life of the wise men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Christmas season. We pray that this day would be honoring and glorifying to you.